Well, good morning, boys and girls, and ladies and gentlemen of all ages. And welcome to our final day of Monumental VBS here. I'm Pastor G, and it has been so much fun this week talking about God's monumental greatness and all the way that God is great in our lives. And uh, I have had just so much fun this past week talking about all the ways that God is great and that he works in our lives. And uh, one of the things that we did every day was we learned a, a Bible point. And uh, Bible points are basically small, short uh, statements that are truths about God's Word. And the kids uh, learn these Bible points so that they're learning the reality of God's Word and God's promises to them. And I thought that as the leader, I would just have to share these Bible points, these truths, with all of you this morning. So on day one, we learned that God loves you no matter what. And on day two, we learned that God is with you everywhere. And on day three, we learn that God is in charge. And on day four, we learn that God is stronger than anything. And then on day five, our last day of lessons, we learned that God is surprising. Now, one of the things that I love about these Bible points is that they are meant to be interactive, that they require a call and response sort of process. Essentially, whenever the kids heard me say the Bible point throughout the week, or whether they were in the sanctuary or anywhere else in the building, they had a response that they, that they would say back when they heard the Bible point. And their response was to point to the sky and to say, awesome God. So it would look something like this. Uh, like on day five, I said, God is surprising. Awesome God. You guys are getting there. That was okay. It was your first try, but now you know what to do, right? And so, I mean, as you saw in that video, right, uh, there was lots of singing and dancing and lots of fun to be had. And I think kind of that's how you get a glimpse of why I said last week in my sermon, VBS is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Not to mention that this year, a family brought me a box of donuts as a thank you during the week. So not only did I get to have fun and sing all week, I got a box of donuts in which the pastors indulged in. So, I mean, you can't imagine too many better weeks than that, right? Now, uh, in my role as leader, as responsible for the opening and closing of VBS, uh, my responsibility was to kind of study and know what the Bible points were going to be. And then, of course, I found myself exploring Scripture and trying to figure out how did they pull these Bible points out along with the verses each and every day. And one of the things that always happens is as I learn the Bible points, I find myself uh, diving into Scripture in a new way, that Scriptures are opened up in just to see God's Word and experience it in a whole new way in light of these teachings. And I also feel like while on the one hand these are short statements that are really good for the kids to remember, it dawned on me that they're probably really good for us as adults to remember. And they're certainly good for us to hear more often than we think. And so last week, you didn't know it at the time, but uh, my whole sermon was about one of the Bible points from day one. I told you that God will always love you, or as we learned on day one, God loves you no matter what. And so today, as we bring it all to a close, as our monumental series kind of comes to a close here, I want to focus on our Bible point from day five, the one that really kind of stood out to me amongst the rest, that God is surprising. Awesome. God. Man, you guys are asleep at the wheel here. Oh, my goodness. Listen, eight o'clock was the best service today, and they're usually the most tired. So come on, 11 o'clock. You, you got to catch this one. You got one more opportunity here, and I'm, I'm trusting you, Okay. Now, when I first saw that Bible point, I kind of wrestled with it, and I found myself wondering, where in my life is God surprising? Uh, 
Uh, where does God surprise me? What, what does that mean that God surprises me? And as I thought about it, I, of course, you know, thought, well, what is a surprise, right? The basic definition of a surprise is an unexpected or astonishing event, fact, or thing. And so, of course, on the one hand, there are just all kinds of surprises in life. Like, if we take that definition at face value, then essentially every single moment is a surprise in one way or another. That we don't really know when something is coming or going to happen, that all of life is kind of unexpected. Right? Uh, For example, I could stop my sermon right here and now, and that would be pretty unexpected. Surprise! I'm not going to do that. But you get what I mean, right? I mean, you just, life could be full of all these different surprises. And so if that's how we see God's surprising work in our lives, then I just want to focus on one specific way that God surprises us in life. God surprises us with his faithfulness. And let's start then with what it means for God to be faithful to us. What does it look like for God to be faithful to his people? And uh, how does the Bible kind of define faithfulness? And I found this definition helpful. That God is committed to do what is good, to speak what is true, and to be consistent to all people. That is biblical faithfulness as God shows it to me and to you. That God is committed to do what is good, to speak what is true, and to be consistent to all people. And while there are plenty of stories that highlight this truth, uh, throughout the week of EBS, the kids learned about the story of Joseph and his brothers. And so I thought uh, we would also talk about that story this morning and see God's faithfulness in the midst of that. And if you don't know that story, I'm just going to paint a picture of some of the highlights of it, kind of get us to the beginning and the end without getting into all the details. So uh, Joseph is the youngest son of Jacob, and he is Jacob's favorite son. And so Jacob gives him a coat of many colors. And this, along with the fact that he was already favored, makes Joseph hated by all of his older brothers. So much so that eventually they get to this place where they decide that they want to kill him. But then one of the brothers says, well, no, let's not kill him. Why don't we sell him? And so what they do is they lie to their father, saying that Joseph is dead, and they sell him off into slavery. And when Joseph becomes a slave, he ends up in Egypt as a slave for uh, the right-hand man of the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt. And while he's working for the right-hand man, he ends up being charged with a crime that he didn't commit. But nonetheless, he ends up getting put in jail. And it's not until that he's in jail that all of a sudden he's interpreting dreams of other people in jail and eventually interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. And then Joseph becomes Pharaoh's right-hand man. And as Joseph is Pharaoh's right-hand man, soon there comes a famine. A famine that would stretch 200 miles of land. No food for 200 miles. So from Egypt all the way to Canaan, where Joseph's family still was. And this would bring Joseph's family to Egypt where they had been rationing the food because they were in need. And so then you have this moment of reunion in Egypt. And there are some tense moments when they first arrive and don't recognize one another, but eventually they reconcile. And the brothers are filled with love and care for one another. However, Joseph's brothers also still feel immense guilt and fear. Because eventually they come to this place where they got to tell Joseph that their father has also died. And so when they come to Joseph, they're not sure what he's going to do because they're thinking, well, Joseph's only been good to us because our father is still alive. Now what happens? And here's how Joseph responds. When they tell them about their father's death, when they say that they're going to be Joseph's slaves, this is what Joseph says to them. Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. 
Joseph's response here uh, highlights the fact that throughout this entire story, at every moment, God was faithful. Now, if you've heard the story before, then maybe that was just kind of clear to you, but I want you to put yourself in Joseph's brother's shoes for just a moment. Imagine what they must have felt like when they heard these words from Joseph. That uh, Joseph highlights God's faithfulness here, both as, as a monumental surprise and an incredible blessing. See, because Joseph, in these words, takes them all the way back to when they were kids, when Joseph was a child, to the moment when they sold him into slavery. And he, he highlights that through even that moment, through, through being a slave, through being put in jail, through all these moments, God was faithful. That God was committed to doing what was good for Joseph and for his brothers. To bring them to this moment where not only are they reconciled, but they're provided for. They are cared for. That God was watching over them throughout this whole process. God's faithfulness so clearly on display. God's truth being proclaimed and spoken over them once again. That what they intended for evil, God intended for good. And God's consistent nature to care for a numerous amount of people. Not only did this benefit Joseph's family, but the generations and ancestors and all those gathered in that land. And not only that, of course, if you take the story even further back, you can tie this to the generations that came before Joseph, right? Because Jacob was Joseph's father, who was the grandson of Abraham. And so you got to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when God makes that promise to be faithful to the generation and generation and generation after Abraham. More generations than all the stars in the sky. That's how many generations God will be faithful to Abraham's family. And so you can just keep on tracing God's faithfulness back throughout this family. And of course, all the way back to the beginning of time because God's faithfulness is just constantly on display in the lives of his people and so uh, we've got this monumental faithfulness here that surprises us because it includes more than we can even imagine now uh, when we talk about God's faithfulness in our lives uh, I want to think about it in somewhat of a similar way uh, just start by considering this statement God is faithful that Oh, that was great. That's not a Bible point, but good job, guys. Yeah, man, that was, <laughs> I loved it. Good job. Not a Bible point, but, you know, we're getting there. But, but just consider that statement for a moment, right? That, that God is faithful. That that is a fact, right? And I think that faithfulness, that moment surprises us. It's hard for us to believe that because we know that if this is the biblical definition of faithfulness, if, if to do good and to speak the truth and to be consistent to all people is the biblical definition of faithfulness, well then we know that we fail at that all the time. At least I know that I do. I know that I don't always uh, seek to do good for people or speak the truth. Uh, I tell people, hey, I'll call you back. I don't call back. Or, or I tell them, um, uh, no, 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 I'm not mad and I'm really furious. Right? Or you tell people, hey, you look good in that hat, and they don't. <laughs> right? And I mean, not only do we do things like that, of course, then we have these moments where depending on who we're with and who we're around and what we're doing, we're tempted to change parts of who we are and what we believe. Right? And I know that we, we laugh about these things because we probably have all done them. We failed in this context of if this is what it means to be biblically faithful. And of course, when we look at the world around us, we see these failures on display in so many ways. 
We see people around us who fail to do what is good. And not only have we been on the receiving end, but of course we've been on the telling end of of lies, of not speaking the truth, whether to avoid hurt feelings or not cause a stir. And we have all certainly seen the mistreatment of people, the, the inconsistencies of how people are treated and how we treat one another. And so uh, when you look at the world or your own life and you see all these elements of unfaithfulness, it makes sense then that we kind of begin to live with this expectation that the biblical faithfulness here will never be experienced in our lives. That essentially, whether we say it out loud or not, we expect people to fail at being faithful. And even though it still hurts When someone is unfaithful in our lives, even though it still causes us pain, I think at a certain point we almost begin to build up this this strange tolerance. That because we expect it, we're not even really surprised when people are unfaithful. That as it happens time and time again, it kind of just wears on us. And as we look around at the world then, or perhaps even in our own lives, and we see all this unfaithfulness, maybe we even begin to ask this question, uh, where is God faithful in the midst of this? Is God faithful? still faithful in the unfaithfulness of my life, right? And I think it's, it's here in this moment when we realize that when you come to expect unfaithfulness, God's faithfulness becomes even more of a surprise. That it's kind of like when you're expecting something to go totally wrong and then it goes well and you say, oh, that went surprisingly well right? That's exactly how God's faithfulness is, that God is always faithful. When we realize this promise, it changes how we see everything, that God's faithfulness is is better than what we expect, right? Because if we look at the world, or we look at our own lives, and we see unfaithfulness in so many ways, God's faithfulness just doesn't make any sense, and yet that is exactly what God promises. He promises to always be faithful, And so it shatters our expectations, and instead it turns into a blessing. God's faithfulness is a blessing for us to experience. It's a promise that in an ever-changing world, God's faithfulness is unchanging to me and you. And the way that we experience this, this faithfulness of God comes perhaps in so many different ways, but especially in the physical realities that he gives to us. That God's faithfulness is not some abstract thought that we talk about, but it is a physical thing. And of this is most clearly seen in the physical flesh of his son. That when God sent his son down into the world, in the flesh to be born of a virgin, to be died and crucified on the cross... To live uh, this this perfect life that no one else could live. To die for the sins of the world. God was being faithful to the promise he made at the beginning of time. To send a savior for his people. That uh, throughout this, this life, death, resurrection, ascension, and one day return of Jesus. God's faithfulness is so clearly on display. And uh, we experience this faithfulness in our own ways, in our own physical realities. Like in just a few moments when we receive that body and blood again. That physical reality that God's faithfulness is being given and poured out to me and to you. That God is always faithful to us. And here's what that does for us. Then It changes how we experience all of life. It changes how we, how we see things in our lives. It changes how we see the miracles that God is doing all around us. Just listen again to those words from Psalm 66 as I read them. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. 
Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. You know, this, uh, this last verse, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals, was uh, the final memory verse for the kids here at VBS. And so as I started looking over Psalm 66 this past week, when I was in my study Bible, the first note, the first comment about this psalm said this. This psalm is meant to be read by anyone who is facing hardship or distress. So in the midst of hardship or distress, what the psalmist calls on us to do is to make a joyful noise to God. To sing to God's praises, to come and see what God has done. To come and see the miracles that he works in the lives of his people. To to witness as God's faithfulness is on display in all of our lives. The same faithfulness that has been with you from the moment of conception and will guide you one day into the days of eternal life. This faithfulness that is for you. You know, this past week, I've uh, had uh, two different situations in which I really kind of saw God's faithfulness on display in in unique and powerful ways. Uh, The first one was on Friday afternoon here in the sanctuary. Uh, Obviously, as you can imagine, while VBS is a very, very exciting week, by Friday afternoon, it is also a very exhausting week. And by the end of the week, I was feeling that exhaustion. And with everything else going on in the world and, and just all of kind of life weighing down, I began to wonder, is what we're doing making a difference at all? And as I stood up here and sang the song with the kids for one final time, I just took a moment where I stopped and I looked around. And I just listened. And I witnessed the faithfulness of God in the future generations of the church. I watched as God was faithful in the lives of so many kids and adults and young adults gathered in this place. The same faithfulness that has brought me and you here today, living and being celebrated in their lives as they made a joyful noise to the Lord. And uh, the other way that I experienced it was actually not here, but uh, in the life of a friend of mine's daughter from seminary. Now, her name is Cora. And uh, Cora was having some stomach pains back in the middle of June. And on June 23rd, uh, they took her in for a doctor's appointment to see what was going on. And it was revealed that that stomach pain was actually uh, a large tumor in her abdomen. And it needed to be removed immediately. And so uh, Cora's parents took her. They live in Missouri from uh, their home in Missouri to St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee where they would prepare for surgery. And I found myself thinking, if there were ever a time to question God's faithfulness, it would seem to be in a moment like this. And instead, I was struck by these words that my friend shared after their time at St. Jude. He said this, It's truly a place where God reveals himself to the world by compelling the hearts of others to give and to serve. That in a place where there is all kinds of of hardship going on, he was so taken aback by the faithfulness of God and all those gathered in that place, being cared and protected for by God. 
And uh, God's faithfulness was so clearly on display, both in his words there, and then just a few days later, or I should say just a few days ago now, that is, Cora had a safe and successful surgery to remove that tumor, and she's now on the road to recovery. Church, my hope and prayer for you is that the faithfulness of God continues to surprise you. That in the same way it has been a part of my life, that God's faithfulness is so clear for me that it becomes clear for you. That you see the monumental love that God has for you in the faithful works that he does in your life. That, if nothing else, you simply remember that in your life, God is surprising. Awesome God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.